We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. All right, let's talk about one of the most challenging things. It's February the 13th, 2022, here in Las Vegas. Romantic Truth, I'm Jowson, your host. Now, lying. This is one of the toughest things to deal with. A lot of ladies talk about how they want honesty and they don't want liars, they hate liars. Many of them who say this very thing lie themselves. Now, what you have to decipher is what kind of liar. This is important. You have some people who tell lies in order to make people feel better. You have other people who tell lies in order to gaslight people or BS them to manipulate them and persuade them. You have other people who get a thrill out of lying to someone in order to be the center of attention. You have other people who lie in order to create controversy. Others do it in a way of getting back at people. In other words, being vindictive. Now, no form of lying is really good. We lie to each other every day. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Really? Are you really doing great? Why don't you tell them about your toe hurting? Why don't you tell them about how you don't have money for your car payment? reason why we don't do that is because the person doesn't want to hear it. So, we comport ourselves to the environment. A lot of you ladies say you hate men who are liars, but yet you have certain standards set. And here's the interesting thing. You can set standards for men that you don't even meet. Men are prone to lie to you ladies for one fundamental reason. It has to do with some of those standards. Now, in most cases, the basic standards, most guys won't lie about. They'll try to meet those, the basic criteria you may have. The higher you raise your standards, the more likely you're going to run into a liar. The reason being, he has to figure out a way of lowering those standards so he has a chance with you. So the best way for him to do this is by lying. Now, many of you have heard that when I've talked on the other podcast about this friend of mine who has this wife that used to send chills down my spine every time I saw her. She was very attractive, but she had a way of really finding out the truth about you. And I could never lie to this woman. And I would always tell my friends it's best just to tell the truth. And we would go and rehearse the lie and I'd forget my part as usual. And we'd go get in front of her. And she would let everybody else try to explain their portion of the lie. Then she would look at me and give me those dazzling eyes. And she would look at me and it's like, 
lady, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. And then I tell the truth. I'd be like, well, here's what happened. So-and-so did this, so-and-so did that, so-and-so did this. Now, here's the thing. Her sister was an attorney. And her sister used to have this technique that she used to use in court for him to tell the story backwards, person on the witness stand. And that's how they used to decipher whether or not they'd put that witness in front of the prosecution. Now, the thing was, if they knew the story, they would know the details and they'll be able to tell it backwards. The problem with people who lie what they do, they have a script. There's no deviation from the script, there's no detail. And the reason why there's no detail is because that would trip them up if they were to tell a lie. See, the thing is, when you've experienced something and you've been there, you can describe it in graphic detail. What they wore, how they positioned themselves, certain things about dates, times, the place that you were in. All these things are things you will remember. So if you've experienced it, you already know how it operates. But if you are lying and you've never been there, or you never had that experience, you're only going to improvise. Now, here's the sad thing about it. When men lie to women, usually they lie for a short-term expectation. They're only lying to get into your pants. They're only lying to maybe start a relationship where they could benefit, but they know they have to come clean. So they're on their timeline when they lie to you. So it's not a situation where they go in and they can lie to you and feel as though, well, you know, I just fill her up with more lies. Now there's some guys who do because they're habitual chronic liars. But here's the thing. Once they get caught in a lie, they will try to defend the lie that they got caught in because the one thing that they don't want to do is to be told what they are. And so they will continue that cycle, run on that treadmill. I had a friend of mine who couldn't help himself. We would go different places and no matter where we went to, he would always lie to these women about him having a music production company. The extent of his music production were the business cards that he had printed up. He worked at UPS, and that was his job. That was his mainstay. But, of course, that wasn't the status he wanted to project while he went out. And so what a lot of these women would do, they'd be mesmerized at first and impressed until they found out what he really did. But he would lie and tell them about, oh, I was with Smokey Robinson this weekend, I was with uh, Stevie Wonder this weekend, and I'm like, dude, you don't really even know half of the titles of his music, of any of the artist's music. But that was what he projected on them. The sad thing about it though was that when these women found out oh no, he wasn't going to come clean. 
he was still going to fight until the last end. The hope was, and this is what the hope of many of these liars, is that they could be forgiven for that, just as initial icebreaker to get to know you. The problem for them is that they set expectations with those lies. And they run into difficulty when a woman holds them to that expectation. And they used to laugh at me a lot because I would get dissed by a lot of women at times. Man, why are you going in there being honest? See, that's what honesty gets you. I said, yeah. I said, but here's the thing. After you told the first lie, you're on a perpetual treadmill with your lies. Which they were. And it would be funny. They would go tell a girl a lie and they'd say, Hey, ain't that right? Ain't that right? I'm like, what right? You know, I was with so-and-so last weekend. Oh, you were? They tried to drag you in for validation. And it would never work. And so I realized, hey, you know, I got to distance myself from these folks. Because they're going to get me caught up in something I don't need to be in. It's not that they're bad people. It's that certain behaviors are bad. Now, what do women lie about? Marital status? Sometimes about children? Income? They lie about their emotional situation. Now, what do men lie about? Income, status, living arrangements, transportation, employment, children. And here's the sad part about it. Some people meet on dating sites and they actually aligned to each other, trying to get to know each other. I knew of a couple. They started dating. She was still living with an ex-boyfriend. He was still living with a baby mama. But they were still trying to play this role with each other, like they had their own place. And so the one guy was saying that, hey, I have roommates and, you know, it, it, it'll be a mess to come over. And she was lying to him, saying that her sister was living with her. Well, one day they were out. And the lady's boyfriend that she was living with followed her. Saw them at Johnny Rockets right over there on La, on La Brea Boulevard. And he was telling her, you know, you need to get your stuff out because I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to move and I got to be out of town in a very short period of time. And what had happened, he had gotten another job. He was going to relocate. And he was just going to pretty much disappear overnight. In other words, not sit there and end the lease properly, but just more or less take off. It was an embarrassing situation because she's sitting there and all of this unravels in front of this dude, which gave him kind of like the upper hand. 
But he was in no position to bring this woman to his place because he still had his baby's mama there. As a matter of fact, it was her place. And so she was like, well, you know, I've got to find a place because this is going to happen. And she was embarrassed and she was making up excuses. And then finally she leveled with him about what was going on. Well, her boyfriend wasn't too concerned about her because it was only apparent he wanted his career and wanted just her to get out. Now, the problem with the dude was that she eventually leaned on him like, well, can I spend a night with you, that kind of thing, and she was couch surfing with other friends. Well, he tried to arrange it one evening. Baby mama was going over to her mom's house. He brings the girl over. Friday night, Saturday morning came, front door opens. Baby mama comes in with children. He had hidden all the children's toys and things. Baby mama comes in, catches him in the bed with this woman. All hell breaks loose. He has to leave. Both of them are homeless. They're going couch surfing from friends to friends to friends. Now, they were referred to me at some point by a mutual friend who knew them. I didn't know them directly. And she was asking, well, you know, I hosted them for a week. Do you think you can? I said, no. I said, I don't know them like that. They're your friends. And she's like, well, come on, do a girl a favor, etc." I said, no. I said, that's up to you. Fine, click. And of course, she was mad at me for a couple of months behind that. Well, this couple finally moved into his mother's house. Upon doing that, mom didn't like her. Mom had issues with her, calling her a street girl, calling her fast, calling her loose, you name it. So they had a few altercations. Well, he went to work one day and came back home. Paramedics out in front of the house. His girlfriend's on the stretcher. Mom had cold cocked her ass. She got in her face and started talking a whole bunch of madness. And then mom said, okay, the both of you gotta go. They later went to another relative's home. He started staying there. At this time, he was coming into work late and lost his job. Well, that relative gave him approximately six weeks to find another job, or they would be pretty much out again. He gets a job. Now, the whole time, this girl is supposed to be waiting for unemployment instead of applying for jobs. Only for him to find out she had been lying to him the whole time. She never had a job in her life. There was no unemployment coming. She was just trying to buy time until he got on his feet where he could take care of her. So they finally split. He moved back with his mom, got himself together, got his car, got him a new job, 
I started refocusing on his life. But this all was predicated because the two, these two people lied to each other. Now, the interesting thing was that friend of mine that got pissed off and wouldn't speak to me for almost two, three months, she apologized and then explained everything that happened in detail to me. And I asked her one question. Why were you going to jeopardize our friendship for someone that we both didn't, didn't know that well? I didn't know them, those people that well at all. She knew it better than I did. And she said, you know, it was empathy because I had been homeless. And I said, well, hell, I've been homeless. I said, I was homeless while I knew you. She was shocked she didn't know. I said, you remember those late night calls sometimes? Between this year and that year? She was like, yeah. I said, don't you know I was calling you from the back seat of my car in a parking lot? She didn't know I'd lived in my car for two years in Los Angeles. And she used to tell me, well, you always come to work and you had suits on and everything was I never knew. I said, no, nobody did. Because that was my own situation I had to struggle through. See, what gets you, just in case you don't know, in Los Angeles, sometimes you got to come up with first, last security deposit, and any other kind of ancillary cost up front processing fee for applications. And so you'd be looking in some cases about five to six thousand dollars in cash you gotta pay up front before you move in. Mine was no different. Plus garage, you gotta pay a deposit for that as well. So a lot of people come out to California thinking that it's all sunshine and palms and beaches. But what you have to understand, too, and I tell people this all the time, if you ever go out west, especially California, make sure you already have a job before you get there. Don't go there looking for anything. Make sure you have an education and a skill set. Have at least a bachelor's degree. That's an entry-level credential. You're going to hear a lot of people say that they don't need all of that and stuff like that. That's BS. You'll be working your ass off on a menial job for the rest of your days. You want to go there where at least you have a shot at doing something. Get your connections together before you move to California, whether you're relocating on your job or whether you're looking to just move and start over. If you're going out there for stardom, record deals, and that kind of stuff, forget it. Stay where you are. Do your own thing there. I'm telling you, very, 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 extremely very few people make it. And they'd love to give you this hard luck story about how they pulled themselves up from nothing. Most of those stories are bullshit. A lot of those people already have connections. Many of these people now, these pop stars that you hear now on the radio, are very wealthy. They come from wealthy families. So that wealth didn't come from music. That wealth came well before they got into music. There are some artists 
who parents spent $65,000 a year for tuition just for them to go to high school per year. But what they'd like to do is to say everything is self-made and they did it themselves. Uh-uh. In a place like Los Angeles, you have to have connections. Now, true enough, that's anywhere. But in LA, it's not just who you know. It's where they are and what they can do for you. See, in most places, it's just about who you know. Mm-mm. And here's the thing. Their question to you is, can you deliver? Because the way it works is, if you fail them one time, that's your opportunity. You never get trust again. It's a one and done situation. And the one thing that you'll need to understand is those people are not your friends. I don't give a damn who you meet. They're not your friends. They have to benefit from you in some kind of way to even be around you. So don't think once that they will give a damn about you. There are very, very few people in California that gives a tinker's damn. Now what you will find, just like here in Vegas, the people who were born there, the locals, they will be the most friendlier, more friendlier people. But California has a lot of transients, people that come from different parts of the country and world. And they're still trying to make it just like you are. So <laughs> they're not trying to help you. They see it's competition. Now, one thing that they're going to always hit you up on, especially the locals in California, you start falling on hard times. They're going to say, well, where's your family? That's going to be something they're going to throw in your face. So if you don't have a family support or network out there in Cali, I would strongly advise you to in some way establish a constituency of support. Because it's a cold place, I'm going to tell you. They might have the, the palms, the suns, and all that stuff, but it's a cold place. And understand, Just because everybody's having fun, just because you're making a few more dollars than you would in Alabama, Mississippi, or Tennessee, your cost of living is going to be on your neck 24-7. People spend as much as 75 to 78% of their income on rent and mortgages. They don't want to go back home. They don't want to eat crow. They don't want the lies that they told to their families and friends back home to be revealed. I remember when I got to California. Back in Mississippi, they were talking about, oh man, we own this, we got this, we have this big home. And when I got to California, I went to visit them. They were barely making it. But they were a big shot back home. And then it came down to, hey, uh, hey, don't don't tell the folks how things are going out here for me. It's just kind of, I'm in a bind right now. I'm like, no, it's not my business to inform your family on your status. 
But that's the reality of it. Because they want to feel better than. They want to look better than. See, years ago in Mississippi, Chicago was the place to go to look down on people. And then, of course, Atlanta came about. And what happened over time, these different places, based on what people could afford, controlled their migratory pattern. Like now, a lot of people are leaving California and they're moving to places like Idaho, Nevada. Some moving to Arizona, New Mexico. Because the migration pattern was simple. They came from a place, we'll say Alabama, and they go to California where they can make more money. And their goal for many of them is to get a house, pay on the house, let the equity bill, and therefore they can sell the house and walk away with a ton of cash to go back home and build a mansion. A lot of them did that. It was very profitable years ago to do that. Now it's risky. We saw the market fail in 2008. So it's the luck of the draw now. And back then when a lot of people were doing things like that, you had safeguards such as savings and loans where banks set aside money for nothing but mortgages only. So you didn't have to worry about those catastrophic failures until, of course, Keating came about in Arizona and messed that up. Michael Keating. But for the most part, that's the way things were going. Now, here's the thing. A lot of you ladies will run into what is called an L.A. catcher. And they're not just in L.A. They're in every metropolitan city, every town throughout the world. What these people will do, they will paint a beautiful picture of what's going on in their lives and where they are. And what they'll do is probably come down to meet you. They'll impress you because they're going to have the best of the best, of course. Being that they're visiting, they really don't have to spend a lot of money. Now, after that initial visit, they're going to, of course, have you come out to visit them. Oh, boy, they're going to put on a show for you. Dog and pony show big time. They might do like some of the people did up there in Malibu in the email that was sent to me about the guy who had the roommate that had all of the lavish toys and trinkets and this person was just renting a room there. And so the guy was out of town, he was in Europe, so naturally the dude that sent for the girl had his, had access to his roommate's Porsche, had access to his roommate's home, the swimming pool, everything. And so, of course, he utilized that in order to wow her. She goes back home telling her folks, hey, I'm moving to California. Meanwhile, he's tap dancing, trying to figure out, okay, how can I make this work? Because he knows now he has lied to the nth degree with this woman. And he's got to figure out how he's going to put it together where he's not going to be embarrassed and where he can sustain the lie. Well, he hadn't thought through that much. And so, he sends for the following summer. At this time, 
his friend once again is going to Europe for a few months. So while he's gone away, oh, they're living the life of Riley. His friend's paid all the utilities, all the bills in advance. He's driving around with the car. However, he starts to level with her just before he gets back. And so they don't have full access to the house anymore because the friend is coming back with this woman and now he's relegated to this room once again that he lives in and was living in all the time while she was at home and she didn't know about it. So the young lady finds out that he's nothing more than a boarder in the house and his friend is the one that owns it. Her whole perspective changes on him. And he tries to throw in her face that, well, you came from this podunk town down south. This is better living than you ever had down there. Some of you ladies who have done this have heard that argument before. Well, he ran into a problem with the roommate, the owner of the place, because the issue was he was only supposed to pay rent for himself. Now, being that another person's there, the rent is raised higher. So they get into a dispute. Eventually, he has to move out. They move to a place near Hawthorne, California. And down in this area, it's not so ritzy, not so stylish, considerably far from the beach. She tries to stick with them, thinking that they could pull, still probably pull a relationship out of this mess. And then she finds that she's the only one working and she's pulling all the bills. He's in pursuit of some sort of music and acting career. And she realizes that she's nothing but a workhorse, a mule. She decides to pack up one day and head back home, unannounced. He's calling and begging for her to come back. Things are going to get better. I got a new career. I got a job. She didn't want to hear it. Some of you ladies can identify with this. I got plenty of emails about the same kind of scenario. One incident in San Diego, one in San Clemente, California. About four or five in Malibu. San Francisco, at least three. Seattle, Washington, two. Because I was going through that to talk about this today. In Las Vegas, at least ten. Because this is what people do. And God knows Atlanta. Hell, I don't know how many times. Because the whole thing is for them to find someone that they can manipulate to benefit them. The way they look at it, they get the woman, the sex, and somebody to go in and pay the bills while they sit around and pursue whatever. So you really want to watch that. 
a lot of runaways used to come to Los Angeles on the bus. At that Greyhound bus station, pimps, sharks, waiting for them. Waiting to pick them up, pump them with a whole bunch of promises. And the only thing they're going to do is take them up to Hollywood. And oh, they can't wait to see the strip and they take them to a restaurant to eat. And they're down on Sunset Boulevard or Hollywood Boulevard, not realizing that's going to be the very streets they have to walk at night. I remember one evening, Monica and I were coming down Sunset Boulevard, and we went past the bend that's over there by the Hyatt Hotel and the Montreal and uh, Chateau Marmont. And we were driving down there. And I forgot what event it was. It wasn't Oscar night. It was some other event. Oh, and the prostitutes were out. And she never understood what these women were and what they did because she had a sheltered life pretty much. And she's like, did you see what that lady was wearing? I said, yeah. She barely had anything on. I said, I know. And she's like, well, what is I said, that's a prostitute. And she's like, that's what a prostitute looks like? I said, yes. Because she's used to seeing them on TV and they're dolled up and everything, but she had never seen a real one walking around with a split that was so high that you saw her butt crack at the top. That's the way it happens. And a lot of these girls were filled with a whole bunch of promises about how well they're going to do. And these guys would run through them. In some cases, women got a hold of them and put them out in a stroll. Dependent. And a lot of them were young, naive, starstruck. It's a crapshoot. But the only thing I would tell you is have your logistics taken care of before you get to California, before you come here to Vegas. Because there's so many people who have come to Vegas who got a windfall. Maybe they sold a house. Maybe they had insurance money from a death in the family or inherited money. And they have blown it right there on that five-mile stretch called the Strip, right out here. And wound up being stuck in this town. See, in the city, in Vegas in general, we have this area called the Tunnels. A lot of you who are not locals here aren't familiar with this. And what this is, under the casinos on the strip, there's this uh, concrete system so that when it rains, the parking lots of the casinos don't flood, so they have these uh, this drainage system. Now, during the summer months, when it's dry, they have anywhere from, I think, 1,000 to 3,000 people that live in the tunnels. These are people who are drug addicts, down on their luck, people who got addicted to gambling and lost everything, 
and it's horrible. And it's very dangerous to even go down there. In fact, I don't think uh, Las Vegas uh, Metro Police is allowed to go down there unless they're coming down there to retrieve a body. They'll bring things like mattresses down there. A woman would, uh, had a baby down there without any care or nothing like that. But that's what happens. And then when it rains a lot of times, you'll see them come up surface. You see them on the strip. And these are the people that might be doing sideshows or any kind of thing in order to make a dollar. Handing out these uh, pictures of nude women. Anything to make a buck. Another thing, too, to keep in mind, like if you go down Fremont Street, even if you're on the strip, you see somebody wearing a costume. This goes for Hollywood, too. Before you sit there and try to take a picture with them, ask them how much. So, like, if they're dressed up like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, or whatever, ask them how much will it cost for you to take a picture with them before you do it. Because there is a fee, and it runs anywhere from $10 and up. Just keep that in mind. Because some of those people will grab you and try to pull you into taking a photo. And be careful with your interactions. Be careful with your valuables. Now, another thing for you men. If you come to Vegas, I'm going to tell you this now. Ladies as well. Keep an eye on your drink. If you ever have to leave your drink for any reason, have the bartender throw it out and get you another one. And you come back. I will tell you this because what some of these people do, they'll take Visine, Valsian Wilm, or any kind of eye drop medication, and they'll put it in your drink to make you drowsy. And that's what it does. Especially if they want you to take them up to your hotel room. While you're drowsy and ready to fall asleep, they're robbing you. So to avoid this, keep an eye on your beverage at all times. You sit at a casino uh, machine, Huh, be careful who you have watch your drink for you. Drink it up before you leave. Or don't order it and wait until you come back from the bathroom or whatever you're going. Now, another thing too. Word to the wise. Some casinos on the strip adjust the odds based on how they did the following month or the earlier the month prior so that will dictate what the odds are maybe 34 to 1 that means 34 cents to every dollar roughly 37 to 1 sometimes it can be as high as 42 to 1 it depends 
They make their most money, believe it or not, in most casinos off of the penny machines, the nickel and the dime machines, anything that's less than a quarter. Older people used to play those machines more often. And even though it says penny, many of them are going for $10, $15 a spin in some cases and not realizing it. Because what you're marketed to is that you're putting a penny on a spin. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, <laughs> you're putting in a hundred pennies. That's a dollar. So to win the jackpot, for instance, they may have a dollar figure there. And they may have something like, maybe you have to put in, we'll say, 500 pennies and not really think of it as being $5. So you put that five in and you're playing all the lines, for instance, and you go, and it's to keep you hooked. The carpeting, the disorienting in it, in any casino. There are no windows in any casino for the most part. They're going to have loud noises from the machines and they're going to keep you, of course, drinking because they want you to stay there and spend your money. Now, you could have a good time. But just understand, you're playing into the manipulation of that environment. So don't try to get logical when you lose your money. Don't try to get logical when you're talking about I can't pay the rent now I can't pay the car payment now I've overextended myself it's too late for that I was reading about a lady that bought a one-way ticket to Vegas and she had enough money to get a one-way ticket back home but she didn't want to put that money out and she wound up losing every dime. All of her money. Fortunately, her credit card covered her hotel room. She had to use that for her meals. But the only problem was she didn't have enough clear on her credit card in order to have a flight home. She had to call home, have them to wire her money and she was supposed to buy an airline ticket. Instead, she lost it in the casino. She had to wind up befriending this guy. And you know what I mean by that, sexually, of course. In order for him to give her the money to come back home. The interesting thing is, an addiction will put you out to do things that you normally wouldn't do, engage in behavior you normally wouldn't think about. And this is something you need to watch for. We'll talk more in just a moment.
Hi everyone, Johnson back with you. And let's go back into the mailbag and see what we see here. Elise out of Tacoma, Washington writes the following. I've listened to your podcast for now two years. I've hipped my new lover to your podcast as well. And we both listen and we're both trying to learn from you. I'm 26, she is 44. We both are engaging in our first female-on-female relationship. We're not at a point of calling ourselves lesbians yet. We're curiosity seekers, but we will take the designation of bisexual. In other words, even though we like pussy, we also like dick too, lol. However, there are some problems. And as I write this to you, my lover and I are having a conversation. There are some things I noticed about her because she has been into many traumatic relationships and her last marriage, which was her third, lasted for 10 years. And it did the most damage. We've been discussing about going to therapy and hopefully you can give us some insight whether I'm right, whether she's wrong, or whether we both are wrong about certain things that are taking place in the relationship now. Things I've noticed so far, she's very slow to express herself. She stutters. And I none of this, by the way, is anything that would be considered something that she used to do prior to this last relationship. She cannot express herself openly. Sometimes she speaks in fragmented sentences. She remains silent, and sometimes she just does things and really doesn't want to talk as much. And these are things that are, of course, progressive and popular and positive between the two of us. She doesn't like talking about intimacy. She doesn't want to have sex as often. There are a lot of things that are going on that I have discussed with her and I really wanted to work because she's the first person I actually can truly say that I have put everything aside and loved genuinely 100%. And I could see that my warmth and my love for her has really made her a better person in so many ways. When I first met her, she was very upset, very defensive, very angry, and I've at least softened that core of her. However, there's still a part of her that is still not quite there. We've gone to therapy one time, and when we did go, it was horrendous. The woman didn't know what the hell she was doing, and she was more focused on us being two women in love with each other than the problem itself. I hope you don't see us in that light. Elise, Tacoma, Washington. Elise, I could tell you pretty much exactly what you're dealing with. The reason being, I had to deal with a couple of things early in my life and they were a little bit different. And two, I've dated women like you're dealing with. Here's what happens. When it comes down to it, She's been traumatized in a way that you probably wouldn't quite comprehend. See, she's intimidated because 
of uncertainty, a lack of confidence, gross lack of confidence. And the problem is narcissistic people pick up on people like that. They are slow to express themselves. They are on a word search before they open their mouth. And they're afraid of not being perfect or not being acceptable. So they will go and bounce around a sentence before they get it out of their mouth. And a lot of people think they're stupid. But what it comes down to is not about stupidity. It's not an intellectual crisis or anything like that. That person is trying to present themselves in a way where they won't be ridiculed. And so they will go this, that, the third to try to figure out how to present themselves. Now, I will admit I had that same problem in my formative years early on. When I talked to a black person, I could talk to them because the majority of people I were around growing up were black. And even the whites that used to be around my mom and dad, I was not intimidated by them. When I got out of that circle and got with some of those other people when I would go to the store or something like that, then you had to deal with the criticism. You know, the guy would say, what the hell do you want colored? And then I was like, well, I'd like to buy this, sir. Huh. Why are you trying to speak all fancy-like and trying to embarrass us? You know good and well, your kind don't speak like that. Yes, sir. So I'd have to withdraw back. And then I had to face something. Wait a minute. I'm only seven. I'm only six. And I'm speaking better than this man who is eons years older than me. And he wants me to roll back my progress for his ignorance. Hell no. But it took me a while to realize that. And with that, that confidence that I had, it was tripped up by his insecurity. And what this did, it had a ripple effect. I would go and start to draw something. Guess what I would do? Put a line on the paper, throw it away. Start again. Put another line on the paper, throw it away, and then I was wasting paper. Then I had to realize that, hey, you know what? If I go through life where I'm over-criticized, there's no way in the hell I'm going to ever move forward. I'll be paralyzed. Analysis paralysis, as some people call it. That's what would happen. I get accused of analysis paralysis when it comes down to relationships, when it comes down to even people who write into the show. Oh, you're over-analytical. A person going through analysis paralysis dealing with what you're dealing with. That's because those people don't want to think. They just want to go through a relationship emotionally and get fucked up and then at the end tell you about how much that person was a jerk take those sorry-ass emotions and take them into another relationship and get the same result. What is defined by insanity? Doing the same thing over and expecting a different result. And sadly, you've got a lot of insane people out there who do just that in relationships. Now, other things that are going to happen at least. She's going to have difficulty expressing herself. She's going to stutter. She's going to try to find and fix her words, and it'll take her a while before she could even 
interact with you. She's not going to know how to carry on conversations properly, where she's considerate of others. So it'll be a very dry, monotone type of dialogue, usually. And even when she tries to make a joke, you gotta weave between you gotta weave between the dry dialogue to get to the joke. And she might even laugh at her own joke. See, one thing about a good comedian, they do not laugh at their own jokes. They tell the joke and let you, the audience, laugh. Because the joke's meant for you, not them. Even though it may sound funny to them, that's the goal, is to keep you laughing. Because, see, they look at it from the standpoint, let me remember these lines, let me remember this joke, let me get this off my chest, let me get this out of my head. The benefit is your laughter. That's the payoff for them. Now, another thing we have to come to grips with. With these folks, they will also, and like you said, where she's a doer, she's not a talker. The reason being is that that's the easiest way to appease their partner, their narcissistic controlling partner. That's the easiest way to appease them. Have everything in place in an order that you could do physically so so that they have no complaints or criticism. So, at one point they'll be criticized for the way they speak. They'll be criticized for the way they would think. And so what these people will eventually do is quit thinking because nobody is really investing any time, effort, or emotions in them. So therefore, they take all of those assets away from themselves. And so it comes down to where they say something to the effect of, well, you know, um, I never had this, or people never treated me like this. I never had this experience. And it's usually going to start with something they never had because they feel that down on themselves. And they never even look at the opportunities that were available to them. They look at it from a lens of negativity, the whole thing. And the reason for that is because that partner is going to foster that negative vibe. Now, other things they'll have a problem with. They're going to have a problem with comprehending things, understanding concepts, because they try to live an oversimplified life. And the reason why they do that is because it makes it easier for them to cope. So complexities are a challenge. And so that partner that they're going to have is going to make sure that they're so complex that that person's not going to take their simple mind, quote unquote, and try to deal with any complicated matters. Leave me to do the thinking as your partner. You just follow along and be the doer. And so in this respect, they exercise what is called passive listening skills. And with those passive listening skills, they are not really listening. They're just the uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and they'll sit there in silence. Concept flies completely over their head, and the reason being, they're not developing the skill sets in order to really comprehend. And what they wind up doing is picking out certain buzzwords from it and focus on those things. And even when they go and they try to engage in a conversation with the person, 
is very limited. They can only really go on the keywords that they heard, that they can comprehend, and then they try to go and explain it in a way where it's not really, how can I best say it's not really in the context in which the person actually delivered it. Because they're not used to communicating as much. It's usually unique uh, directional communication they get. Narcissistic partner talks down to them and they just absorb it. Now, as a result of this, and this I see most common because I used to have to deal with it myself, and this is where you are. After these people get out of these relationships, what they're gonna always do is they're gonna listen to you, but if you're a partner that explains things thoroughly and talks to them and want their feedback, they'll say something like, well, anyway, anywho, they'll say things like that. This is a common textbook thing that they do because they will do this to you, but guess who they won't do it to? The person who violated them, the person who used and abused them because this is their sarcastic way of fighting back, of getting their own identity, of coming back and trying to reassert themselves. And they think it's normal in relationships to do. And the problem is that's the biggest distance maker ever. I remember where I used to work. If you came in and say any hue in a business meeting, your ass was dismissed and reprimanded for it. You are not going to be condescending and dismissive. And see, a lot of them don't realize that's what they're doing. That's a very negative communicative te uh, technique. And folks, if you're doing it, I would strongly advise you not to. You do that to your boss. You do that in a company. You think it's cute. Like you say, well, anyway, we're going to go and change the subject and go here. Bad move. Bad move. Here's the thing I will tell you. A great conversationalist will pick up on that. And the sad thing about it, they will double down on the very topic you're trying to change for a reason. And the reason why they do that is not to be rude, but it's to say, hey, you know what? You need to show respect. Because what they're trying to do is to get you to say, oh, can we change the conversation? Another word to the wise for you. People who do not like information, they'll go TMI and all of this stuff, they will not make good partners in relationships. I'm telling you, they do not pay attention to detail. These are the people that will go and go from one crisis, one catastrophe to the next because they don't like reading the fine print on things in a relationship. They like to just wander on to the next one, worry about things whenever they come up, and they never usually plan things. And there's a reason for this. And the reason is the other person, they're used to somebody thinking for them. And so they don't really get a chance to engage or even develop. And so you're dealing with a woman, Elise, that has never fully developed emotionally, 
communicatively. So you got your work cut out for you. You're talking about a lot of therapy and a lot of time. And guess what's not going to happen? You're not going to be able to rehabilitate her, which means that that's going to limit the scope of your relationship and the time that you guys will be compatible. Start creating a breakup strategy now with her. Because I'm telling you, she's too long gone down that road. I know you might not want to hear this. The energy you're going to spend in trying to rehabilitate her is going to take a minute. You'll probably come out better being friends with benefits with her, but as far as a lover, if you're complaining about these things now, you ain't seen shit yet. You wait till later on and you guys are just starting out. <clears throat> Good luck with that. I'm just telling you up front to help you out. Don't get too emotionally attached because what's going to eventually happen when she starts feeling herself and she starts getting that confidence, you are going to be the whipping girl for the past relationship. That's the way that usually goes. And don't be surprised. I could very well be wrong, but don't be surprised if that's the case. Because see, that anger, that animosity, that embarrassment, that lack of confidence, that insecurity, it doesn't go away. It's like nuclear waste. You can bury it in the ground, it's still nuclear waste. It can still contaminate. And that's what you're dealing with. A lot of psychologists probably disagree with me on this. Because you have some that say, well, you know, um, People have different perspectives and they change. Yeah, true enough. But here's the thing you have to understand. When you're dealing with a relationship, you don't have time to be a therapist. It's tough enough dealing with the relationship. What I'm getting at is to deal with the relationship with the least amount of trauma that you can. Because you got to manage that, the two of you. I can't tell you how many people I've known that have wound up with a bigger therapy bill than they had when it came down to them for weddings, graduations. They spent more money in therapy than they did on all of that. And guess what? they still wound up having to leave each other. You can want something so badly, doesn't necessarily mean that you deserve it or that you should get it. Life is unfair. People are the people, we are the ones who try to make it fair. And what we have to realize, the only fairness that we can control is that we treat each other by. But life can say, you're still going to get cancer. You're still going to get COVID. You're still going to get this. You're still going to get that. Uh, you're still going to have global warming. Because we are tenants on this thing called Earth as human beings. And the Earth doesn't give a shit whether we own it or not. It's going to change regardless. It has changed throughout millions of years and it will continue to do so. 
But of course, we want an intermediary. We want God or somebody to intervene and protect us. That's from us. Earth doesn't give a shit about that. And that's the way it is. If you don't get anything out of this, at least I will tell you this much. Manage your expectations to a realistic outcome. But if she's aware of some of the things, and let her hear this podcast, because if she's aware of some of the things that she is now enduring and some of the things she will have to go through, you guys need to continue therapy because don't try to do this alone, at least. It will never work. And see whether or not you guys can actually make it. Because you're dealing with several factors here. Let's look at some of them. You're dealing with the fact that she had a traumatic relationship, probably among many others. You're dealing with a situation where you're in the same-sex relationship, so you got to deal with the social pressures with that. Not to mention the familial pressures, pressures of losing friends and those kind of things. Of course, that's going to come up. You're also dealing with the fact that you're going to be discriminated against as a couple in certain aspects when it comes to housing, uh, equal access to health care, those kind of things in some capacities. Washington State's a little bit more liberal with that. <clears throat> These are things you're going to have to contend with. And not to mention being told you're going to go to hell every time you walk up across anyone that's self-righteous. So there'll be a lot of other things to contend with. Plus, you got to deal with your own personal baggage. That's a lot. But if you're willing to do all of that, I'm telling you, you can go for it. But now don't be disappointed if you create a Frankenstein. Then again, things may work out where you guys are together. I want you to write me back in a year and let me know how things go. So it's February 13th, 2022. I expect to have an email from you February 13th, 2023 to tell me how things went. More in a moment, folks. tell you something that annoys men when it comes down to you and sex. Please take note of this. First, I'm going to address the most obvious offensive thing that women do that men don't tell them. If you have had children before and you're meeting a guy for the first time and you tell him something in the realm of before I have sex again with anyone we got to be married first expect to be overlooked and passed by nobody is going to wait for somebody 
else's experience with you that they have enjoyed and produce children with you and expect to say, oh, it's my turn now. Sorry, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. This man would take the money that he would have invested in you through that relationship and he would rather take that money and give it to a prostitute because he would feel as though it's better spent. I'm just telling you this to help you out so your feelings are not hurt. Some of you have gone on that YouTube channel and got your feelings hurt based on that premise. Talking about you a born-again virgin and all that. Being that somebody's already been up in that, and especially you have multiple kids, we laugh at you on that. And I'm being honest with you. I'm being straight up. You're making a fool of yourself doing that. These guys don't feel as though they're missing anything. The reason being, they can get with women who have no children and would feel more comfortable comporting themselves to those demands than with a woman who have kids in general. I'm just telling you that. Now, some of you ladies out there that talk about no sex before marriage and you're virgins, supposedly. Now, some of you are genuinely virgins, but there are others of you who are not. Now, first, let's talk about the way a lot of these women get around being classified as a virgin. Some women will use anal sex until they get married. So, in order to keep the boyfriend that they want, the boyfriend's got to put his dick somewhere. It's usually in her mouth and in her ass. Let's be honest with you. Now, there are others that won't go for the anal, but they will do the oral in order to keep the guy. Other women will do hand jobs with the guy. Other women will let him put his shaft between a butt crack, but not in her anus. So that he can go and get off that way. They have a term called soaking. Some of them use it in, in uh, certain sections of the different churches. And what that is primarily is that they have these rules where you aren't supposed to have sex with them. But the guy can position his penis inside the woman's vagina. Someone could be under the bed, kick the underside of the bed so that they could have a pumping motion, so to speak. Or someone can jump in the bed where the person can pretty much bounce up and down inside the woman. Dumbest shit ever, but people do it. Other things that can occur. The woman may not consider him eating her vagina as penetration. He may be able to stick things inside of her, fingers, dildos, vibrators, and she still considers herself a virgin because his penis has not gone inside of her. Other things that may happen, how people will get around that, how some virgins get around that, they may have what is called a dick extender. Primarily what this is, it's like a sleeve that goes over his penis, similar to a condom, except it's much thicker and it's made out of this foam material. 
And being that he's not putting his meat inside of her, with his penis inserted inside there, she still gets the penetration of sex, but he didn't put his penis in there. Now, there are, very, uh, there are different variations on what a woman considers herself a virgin to be. They could go in different type of uh, categories. The woman may still masturbate. She may sleep with other women. The other woman could even wear a dildo on her. And some women will still classify themselves as being a virgin as long as a man has not penetrated her vaginally with his penis. So there's a lot of other ways they get around that classification. Now, also we must realize too, some women fail to tell men that they're involved in a relationship with that there's no sex before marriage until after they got the guy emotionally involved with them. So they may wait a few weeks down the road and tell them no sex before marriage. Usually what they'll do is mask that conversation by saying, well, um, yeah, I think talking about sex is totally inappropriate. And what they will do is that void that you have of talking about sex in the initial stages of meeting someone, they extend it out as far as they can, just like a rubber band, hopefully to seven or eight or nine months if they could. And so in this way, she's shaming the guy to even bring up sex or intimacy. And she may have some rules like no hands below the waist, that kind of thing. And she may do things like uh, put her thigh on his or something of that sort. But she may make it seem as though, well, you know, you can't penetrate me, but what I could do is help relieve yourself and go that route with it. Now, here's the thing. The biggest threat to a virgin is to get pregnant. That's the biggest threat. That's the final cut. So they try many different methods to work around that particular situation. Things we don't talk about because we think that this person is pristine, that because they have uh, put themselves above reproach, they have to go and figure out a way to manage this lowly man's sexual desire. However, what these women don't think about too is that a lot of these women that are proclaiming this virginity also have sexual urges as well. And they masturbate and they do all kinds of other things too. So it's more of a show for the public and not really for the re reality of things for the most part. Now there's some women that are true virgins who hold themselves pure and true. But now here's the thing you have to understand too with this. Just because you have virgin pussy lady doesn't mean that it is good pussy. Now, any pussy is good pussy to a guy that never had pussy. And so the hope is that you'll get someone who has never had sex like you. You guys get together and then because you have that time to relieve yourselves for the first time, you guys are really enjoying it. And you know the old stereotypical thing where they go, they don't have sex, they build up that tension, they get married, honeymoon night, 
They both were seeing stars. She winds up pregnant about two weeks later. And from then on, they live happily ever ever after start a family. And then after the first child is born, they start for the second and the third, right? Now, that's all well and good in the storybook. Let's deal with the practicality of it. Practicality of it is, it's expensive to have children, first of all. Especially if you have a birth where the child has complications or where the child may be a special needs kid, you don't know what you're dealing with. First thing. Second thing, if you're not that good, whether you're the man or the woman, that partner may have buyer's remorse. I remember when I was younger, a friend of mine got married while he was in high school. And they both abstained from sex. And he turned 18, she was still 17. And the day she turned 18, they went on and got married. Well, the problem was, (laughs) he had waited so long. And it wasn't a pleasurable experience for him. And he started to realize that, hey, maybe I made a mistake. So he kept trying with his wife, but it just wasn't working. Because in her family, they never talked about sex. She never got sex sex education in school. He didn't either. But it just didn't feel right for him. Well, eventually he got her pregnant and everybody was happy and his first kid. What they didn't know was that his second, third, and fourth child was going to be from other women. Because when he stepped out of the marriage one time, the other woman had better pussy. This is what happens, folks. This is the reason why I tell you guys, don't get involved in something like this unless you are a person who has never had sex before and you subscribe to this. Don't let a woman lure you into a relationship like this. See, most devout virgins will tell you straight up front, no sex before marriage and stick with that. But again, a woman who's already had children telling you that same thing up front is laughable because she's a hypocrite. Somebody's already went inside you several times and nutted and you got kids out here to prove it. Get out of here. Nobody don't fall for that crap. The hell you think you got boo-boo the fool? And ladies, once they classify you as a hypocrite, they never will respect you again. And you guys need to quit bragging about your dicks. Because they can be underwhelmed by that too. Both of you go with sex, no sex before marriage. And you get there and you finally get to that point And it's not working. She's not feeling it. I'm telling you, sex is one thing that both of you need to be humble on because both of you don't know each other on the first time. And so you got to get to learn each other. 
So it's best to be humble and treat it like a learning experience, at least until you're comfortable with each other sexually. This is just to help you out. Now, another thing too. Some of you guys, and I always talk about the 90-day rule, don't fall for that bullshit. More guys have been played on the 90-day rule, including myself, than anyone else. As I told you, I waited for a lady close to 120 days. She started tapering off communications with me. And then well after the 90-day period, she showed up at my doorstep with her suitcase. And that damn stomach bulging, crying. While I'm waiting all this time, she out there getting dick and wound up getting pregnant. Guy didn't want her no more. And she was looking for a place to stay. And I'm like, not here. <laughs> Take your ass somewhere else. Mm-mm. Didn't want to deal with it. So don't ever fall for the 90-day rule. Under no circumstances, guys. I would tell you, the best kind of woman to have is a woman who's already had sex before. She knows what she's doing. At this point, she's more comfortable with her body. And she knows about her body. She's had a chance to experiment. I'm telling you, that's that's the best experience is someone with experience. just telling you, it's better. Fewer complications. You don't have to worry about her. Oh, well, is this okay? You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about her confidence being in question. I just found it better. The woman doesn't have to be a whore. And we need to come off of classifying women as whores if they decide to go out and be with someone. If she's single and she decided that, hey, you know, I'm horny, I need to go out here and get some. All right, no problem. We do it as men all the time. So she's no less than. And this is something we have to think about. Now, another thing that comes up that some of you have written in about, I think it was Jacob that wrote about why do some fine women wind up giving the goods to less than deserving guys? And the reason for that has to do with one fundamental factor. See, if they got a guy on their level or higher, they don't have that control. If they have a guy who is thirsty and appreciates her, that may be subpar, he's more loyal. She has more options with him. Her vagina can dictate whatever she wants from him. And plus he has a lower level of personal confidence. The guy who has that confidence, there's a good chance that he's not going to put up with her bullshit. That's the difference. 
And this is the reason why a lot of these guys that we look at and say, damn, she's sleeping with him. She's sleeping with him for a reason. He puts her on a pedestal. I had a friend of mine in Los Angeles and she was very fair-skinned. She could pass for a white woman. She had the blonde hair, the gray eyes. She was gorgeous. And she used to tell me, I only date real dark men. I was like, huh? And I asked her, why is that? She says, I have more control. She says, I don't care what their status is financially. They have an inferiority complex because they've usually been rejected by other people. And I said, that's kind of predatory, isn't it? She said, yes, it is. She said, but you got to remember, I'm insecure too. And it didn't dawn on me until she said that. Because she says, in some circles, I'm accepted as white. In other circles, I'm not. She says, but I know that I can lord over some people who feel lower than me. And I take advantage of that opportunity. I appreciated her candor. And she was very, very right about what she was doing. She had a lot of guys who had money who weren't the most handsome dudes in the world. But she had them at her beck and call would I do anything for her. Because at first I was going to try to talk to her and she said, uh-uh, uh-uh, you look too good for me. I said, what the hell you mean I look too good for you? I said, I'm ugly as hell. I look in the mirror and I call the cops every day thinking somebody broke in. She's like, no. Mm-mm. She said, in all seriousness, you're the kind of guy that can get another woman. I don't want that. I got this before I could even say hello good. But at least I understood where she was coming from. And it made sense as she used that to her advantage because she capitalized on a man's insecurity because of his skin color. And she also looked at it from the standpoint that she was going to be that trophy. And she used to always tell me, you know my biggest problem? Dark-skinned black women who hate me. She says, but that's okay. As, I, as long as they are disliking me, I'm doing what I need to do for me. She needed therapy back then, but I really didn't know too much about therapy at that point. And so I thought, I said, hell, that's cool. She got it made. That's, that's, what she's, that's her niche. I did feel kind of fucked up that I got dissed and then got explained to why I got dissed. But I had to deal with it. But you'll run across situations like that. And Jacob, that's what I told you. That was my answer when I wrote you back. There are some women that look for those characteristics in a man. That inferiority complex, that weakness. Men look for that in some women. So, sometimes this is the way some people just cope. And see, what you have to realize is this. When a person's with someone else, especially intimately, and they start to feel superior to other people, 
because they're with that person. You'd be surprised how far that goes. The lady from Atlanta who only dates white men that wrote in talked about how she felt superior over black men being with that white man. How it made her feel Now, was I mad at her? No, but I understood the perspective she was coming from. She had low self-esteem, and that white man gave her that confidence to feel better than someone else because under normal circumstances in the hood, she probably didn't feel that way. People do this. We all have some sort of insecurity. My biggest insecurity is walking up on a creature that will whoop my ass, chew me up, swallow me, and shit me out. I'm serious. That's been my biggest fear in life. Because we don't know what exists on this planet altogether. <coughs> That's been my biggest fear, especially going in the ocean. We're more familiar with space than we are with things under the ocean scares the hell out of me even though I can swim but in water you're out of your element you can't do shit but these are things we have to look at things we have to think about sometimes our insecurities work against us sometimes they work for us depends on how we use them it all depends on our perspectives But ladies, I will say once again, never hold sex out as some sort of prize for a man. Because he will do anything to get to that prize. And the problem is, you may be hurt in the process, emotionally. Especially if he had to jump through hoops to get it. And then when he got it, it wasn't what he expected. Uh -uh. Same thing with you ladies. Many of you have gone up there and just kind of waited for the dude. And now you're getting ready to give him some ass. And then you get there and you say, that's it? And you start looking around the room. You start checking his pants. That's all the dick you brought. You didn't bring no more dick than that. Because he had been talking all that shit all along. There was a guy that used to go out to the club and he had a brother. And the brother used to always try to get into the club. He always had a problem with the dress coat because he would always wear these sweats. You know, the Adidas sweatsuits and that kind of thing. And they would always give him, you know, the one-two about, man, you can't come in here dressed like that. But one night he had a, a Fila sweatsuit on. And one of the managers, they let him in after a little haggling back and forth. And so the girls were like looking. I didn't know what they were looking at. You know, they like, and I thought they were looking at him because of his sweatsuit. And he had the, you know, 
Kango hat with the Fila logo on it. And so all the girls, they were laughing and giggling. And then one of the girls was like, it don't make no sense him walking around with that big old dick. And what dude had done, he had put on some biker shorts underneath. And it was only obvious because the girl pointed it out that was talking to me. She said, that ain't all him. And she said, because look at look at how, I said, I don't look at a man's, I said, I don't care about that shit. And she said, well, I know it's not real because I can see where that thing starts, but the girls are not looking at that. Well, the guys were teasing. We went to the men's room. I'm in there pissing. And the guy comes in and he's laughing. And he said, yeah, I got these bitches thinking I got a big dick. And he had this damn dildo put in his trousers. And they were slapping high five and everything. And I'm like, y'all don't need to be slapping high five. He just put his, never mind. But guys go to that length. Now, I'll admit, I did something stupid one time. They had these jackets that you could buy, and they had the little bellow in them where you could blow them up with air so it looked like you had muscles. My dumb ass wore one of those one night. I was like every bit of 19, I think. And I came in the club, and I looked buff as fuck. Till one of the girls went, and, oh, and she started squeezing on the jacket. And that shit went in. She said, oh, it doesn't say nothing but air. And I was like, damn. And I realized, you know what? <laughs> I'd be better off as being myself. Kind of missed that jacket, but I bust the shit out of all the bellows in it. But men will do things like that, just like some women will, you know, use props. My boy was dancing with a lady one time. They were doing a cha-cha. She went to turn around and her ponytail flew off her head and landed on the floor. Girl slipped on it. I was like, damn. It happens. And don't let two women get in a fight in a club, boy. Mm -mm. It happened one time at Backwaters in Rancho Cucamonga. DJ got on in the booth and he says, uh, well, the lady... And the red dress, please retrieve her tracks off the floor. Long ass track of hair weave. She walked around with a stocking cap on her head. It happens. I was in the store recently. Woman behind me wearing a shower cap and a wife beater. Eyeliner, lipstick on. And I could just imagine what was under that shower cap. Ooh, I didn't want to look under there. Nope. It happens. It happens, folks. And you have to deal with them. But one thing that I will say, if you don't get nothing out of this segment, be who you are. Don't try to... Look, the more stuff that you have that you have to explain... Because it's not you, the harder it is to communicate with that person that you're serious about yourself. 
Take care, folks. Let's talk about defending your partner. Now, this is a tough one because we are faced with challenges in relationships to defend our partner even when they're right, wrong, or indifferent, right? Should you defend your partner if it violates your standards or boundaries? Keep your standards and boundaries in place. Make your partner responsible for their actions only. So, partner gets drunk at a party, starts a fight, Yes, you could be the diplomat and go and make excuses for them. Now, I want you to remember one thing, though. When you're doing this, you're gaslighting the situation, of course. Own that. So you're saying, well, you know, he's a little upset. He's a little drunk. So after going to get him home, first thing you need to do is to make sure that you extricate yourself and him from the event. You are the public relations person, so it's your job as a female to go and kind of make an excuse for him. Now, everybody's going to know it's bullshit, the excuse. Your husband or your boyfriend's an asshole and shouldn't have acted the way he did. Understand that. But your job now is to get him out of that environment and get him in the car and get him home. Now, he's probably going to be embarrassed, not going to say anything. Then again, he, then again, he might be belligerent or whatever. You may have to just contend with that. But here's the thing, though. At that point, let him know that that's a deal breaker for you for the relationship. Be firm about that. Don't sit there and act like it's a normal thing. I'm telling you, that's going to bite you in the ass. And what it's going to also do is ruin the reputation of the relationship. And you're going to have fewer and fewer people supporting you in it. If your lady, fellas, is making a nonsensical argument and she's getting heated and ready to argue, ready to beat another woman down, whether it's your mother, your girlfriend, your sister, or whomever, well, it wouldn't be your girlfriend unless it's your mistress, understand one thing. If an argument doesn't make any sense, don't co-sign. Don't do like a simp would. A simp would go and agree with this woman no matter what. As long as she's still feeding him vagina and feeding him food, he's going to be loyal to her like a stupid dog would. A dog that has no sense. In the sense that they have instinct and they'll eat wherever somebody feeds them. You don't want to be that loyal, foolish dog. What you want to do is to have your standards in place. Why didn't you come in there and defend me? That was something you started and ladies let me tell you what the use of a defense for a man is if the two of you or you are being assaulted that's what he comes in to defend you not in an offensive action where you start some shit and expect him to come in and save your ass that's not his job 
It is not his job to take your ass whooping. Get that straight. Fellas, when your woman is mouthing off, take her to the side and say, you're going to bring your ass over here and you're going to sit down and you ain't going to say another word. Because I'm not fighting for you today over this. And once she realizes she doesn't have that backup, she'll calm down. Because she knows whatever checks her mouth writes, her ass will have to cash. Because as you as the man, as you know as men in general, when we get in an altercation with another man, we're not trying to whoop his ass. We're trying to survive. So it's not like we want to just beat his ass where he'll come back again. More than likely, we want to get in a fight to kill him so we don't have that threat anymore. That's the reason why, ladies, we don't get in fights as often. Real men don't get in fights because when we do, we know either the coroner is going to be there to pick us up or we're looking at a life sentence. And I tell men all the time, any woman that's going to prompt you or promote you to fight someone in an offensive measure, she doesn't give a damn about you. You wind up being in prison, having to watch your booty to make sure some guy is not trying to sleep with you and she's out there sleeping with every man under the sun. You get out of prison, she probably had three kids with them already, living with them, talking about who the hell are you. Yeah, we did have something together, but you went to prison. Make it seem like it was your fault. Don't get involved in that. You can, fly, you can find many women that don't give a damn about you. If you're in a relationship like that, a prostitute would care more about you than your own woman. Because at least that prostitute knows that if he's healthy and he's safe, he'll be back as a customer again. Your woman don't give a shit about that if she's got you exposed to get into fights with other people. These are things you have to think about as men. You don't want your partner embarrassing you. So you guys want to go over certain things. So if you're talking about certain things and she's expressing her philosophy or he's he expressing his, <clears throat> point out some of the flaws in it so that even if he goes out in, around your friends and family talking a certain way, he doesn't sound like a goddamn fool. It's important that you do this. Because I know some of you have been out in situations and your partner started opening their mouth and they say something, you're like, whoa! And everybody's looking like, they're looking at you like, you actually date this guy? Gotta watch yourself on that. I remember one time I took a lady to an, an, an event. It was an art show. <clears throat> it was over at the Max Factor building over in Hollywood. And they had hors d'oeuvres and everything. I look up, this woman got a damn, you know, like on uh, Roadrunner, when they would, when Wild D. Coyote would heap up the uh, bird food, that's where her plate looked. And the people were looking at her like as if she was some kind of starving person. And she comes over to me, hell, this good food, I'm going to take this home with me. And I'm like, well, you know, we are going to dinner after this. I know, but I just want to make sure I had 
enough of this good food. I was so embarrassed I didn't know what to do. The person that invited me to the gala, and she walked, pulled me to the side and she said, you know, I think we better exercise better choices in our partner, shouldn't we? And I kind of got what she was saying. She was telling me, in Los Angeles speak, basically, don't bring this bitch back here again. And I eventually had to sever ties with her, not because of my friend's uh, suggestion. Other embarrassing moments that took place. Learned a valuable lesson. And then what I had to learn was it was unfair to her for me to take her and put her in circles where she really didn't fit in. And this is another thing you have to watch with your partners as well. There are certain places that they don't belong. And let's face it. You may belong there and they may not. There are places where they will belong and you won't. Like when that girl took me to that damn uh, club that night and we get there and, you know, I wasn't used to that lifestyle, but I had to survive in it. People coming in there and they got, you know, bottles of whiskey in their pocket. And I'm like, wait a minute now, this is supposed to be a club where you're supposed to buy at the bar. And not so fast. That was the way they had their standards set. Had them damn red igloo cups. And they'd go and put two cubes of ice in it from a damn ice tray. Pour whatever you bought in there with a Coca-Cola that was hot as hell, stir it with their finger, and then $5. So it was $5 for the ice cubes, the cup, and a canned Coke that was hot. Can't argue with them there. First place I've ever been where you had to bring your own whiskey. I'm like, Damn. Hole in the wall. Not H-O-L-E, but W-H-O-L-E. It was the hole in the wall. Yeah, places like that. Of course, our relationship didn't go anywhere beyond that point. But it was nice knowing them. You got to have your standards, folks. And see, I knew for one thing, up front when I walked through that front door in that place. I'm not fighting a soul in this building. Because everybody could whoop my ass. They even had a cat in there that could whoop my ass. It was bad. And this place was nothing more than somebody's house that they converted into a pseudo nightclub that was totally illegal. Extension cords everywhere. DJ playing scratch records. Hearing a damn thing repeat on one of the lyrics. Dun, 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 dun. Still had Christmas lights hanging off from the ceiling. I wouldn't even ask about that. 
So far, all the cushions worn out. I'm like, mm. hearing them smack the damn dominoes on the kitchen table in there. And in the other room, they had the card game going. People farting at the table. You could hear them. It was horrible. Got to the bathroom. They had it full of ice, the bathtub. Beer put in there. It was just ridiculous. Cans of beer just sitting there in the ice inside the tub. No thanks. No thanks. And she's like, oh, well, you don't like uh, my life. No. Mm-mm. We'll be friends. I can't defend you in an environment like this. I'm outmanned and outgunned. There's too much ignorance. Oh, these are good people. Hmm. Women sitting there. Low-cut top. Got suture marks all the way from one titty to the next. You know damn well she got into a fight with somebody. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. Not my lifestyle. Can't do it. Well, you know, when we go out to your places, you, 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 your people are so sedity and so I said, no, they're not sedity. I said, the thing is, um, it's a different environment. They have a different value system, just like they have a value system here. The value system here is to have a candy apple red Monte Carlo with rims. Value system there is just to have a car. It's a distinction. It's a preference. Oh, you just think you're better than... No. Mm-mm. Said if I thought I was better than you, I wouldn't be dating you. Well, that's true. I said it's about you... finding comfort in, in your environment. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think your environment is too damn dangerous. People walking around... Guys pulling their guns out, showing you, yeah, man, I just got this. I'm like, okay, hope it don't have no bullets in it. You feel me? Yeah, all right, no problem. And so you learn. You learn to adapt. That's when you got to use your code switching skills. Those of you in sociology know what I'm talking about. I remember one time I went on my first date with a woman. She took me to church. Yeah, well, you know, I got to I got to be at church this uh, Sunday night. So what I'm thinking is that we could have our first date there and I could introduce you to the pastor and the congregation. All right. And I'm thinking that I will be introduced as her friend because we haven't really started dating yet. I get there and then all of a sudden I'm introduced as fiance 
to some people, boyfriend to the other, love interest to other people, and introduced me to her as her fiance to the pastor. And I was shaking this man's hand, and I was saying to myself, sir, that woman just lied to you in a way that you need to send her straight to hell. And then she's going to tell me after church, well, you know, I, I, I had to kind of exaggerate because people try to get in my business. So I had to kind of contour what I told them. But you won't be coming back here anyway. So I just wanted to let them know I had a man tonight. Oh, and everything was the Lord and all of this stuff. And so we got back to her house. <laughs> And she opened up that bottle of Crown Royal, kicked off them shoes, and we wound up gut bucking fucking that night. Oh, it was, ugh. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. All of that pomp and circumstance around the church. When she got back home, <clears throat> yeah, she let her hair down and was herself. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting endeavor. But in any case, that relationship didn't last. Couldn't deal with a hypocrite. Whatever you stay by, you live by. That's the main thing. And again, she had high standards in the initial stages when I met her. All this, no sex before marriage. She was telling me all that stuff. And so I was kind of laying low. I was like, well, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to really work out. Well, Sunday, I'm going to church. I want you to go with me. Okay, I'll go with you. As a PR move, so I thought. Held out the church. We went back to her place. We were knocking boots. And I'm like, well, what about this sex before marriage? Well, you know, uh, you were the exception and not the rule. I'm like, oh, shit. I wonder how many other exceptions she's had. But this is what happens. But, folks, in conclusion, the one thing to remember about something like this and people who are like this, they may have standards set for you, whether you're a man or a woman, Hold them to those standards because a lot of times hypocrisy is right underneath. And when you see hypocrisy, you can't take them seriously for a serious relationship. You just deal with what you deal with. They're not bad people, but they may not be right for you, but they're right for someone else. So you don't have to condemn them. You can still love them, but Love them at a distance. And fellas, don't let no one use your masculinity and question it to be a catalyst for you to get into an altercation with someone else. It's not worth it. She starts telling you, you know, if you are a real man, if she starts doing that kind of shit, just walk away. She's going to call you all kind of names. That was because she couldn't control you or get you to get into an altercation because she's pissed off at somebody else. Let her fight her own battles if she's going to do that. 
and not jeopardize your livelihood and your future based on her emotions. Take care, folks, and once again, thank you all for listening to the show. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.